Hello and welcome to another episode of the Locked On HBCU Podcast, the only daily podcast covering HBCU sports, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Reggie Flood, and you can find me on Twitter at rflood28, host of the longest-running radio show in the state of Louisiana, The Jaguar Journal, host of the daily radio show, The Sports Report, on WBOK in New Orleans, and a proud HBCU alumnus. Joining us on this episode, the CEO of HBCUsports.com, Ken Rashad. Ken joins us, and we're going to talk everything from the SWAC to the MEAC to the business of HBCU sports and HBCU journalism. We want to welcome to this episode, Ken. Ken, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, brother. Glad to be on. Uh, Ken, you know, you have been around HBCU journalism and around HBCU sports for a long time. First of all, tell everybody uh, uh, where you come from. Give us some background on you. I know, but I want everybody else to know about you. <laughs> right. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm a native of uh, Los Angeles, Inglewood, to be specific. Um, attended Grambling uh, from uh, back in the late 80s. And uh, graduated there with a degree in uh, journalism. And, uh, you know, did some odds and ends in the corporate world. And uh, eventually kind of, uh, you know, just talking to a couple of guys who were in IT Space. They were IT professionals, and they were just constantly talking shop. And it got to the point to where... I, I, you know, I kind of felt left out, and so uh, I went and bought a book. Um, there were there used to be a, a series of um, stores called uh, uh, Comp USA way back in the day, and um, I went and bought a book called Teach Yourself Web Publishing uh, with HTML in like 14 days by uh, a book uh, written by Laura LeMay. I read that book and basically created a website. And uh, once I felt like I had mastered my newfound skills in uh, HTML, I uh, ventured out and uh, basically created a, a, an information, a sports information website that covered the uh, the SWAC. And um, needless to say, it was just a hobby at the time, but uh, it evolved. And um, eventually, you know, over the years, we we evolved from covering the SWAC to covering. Uh, you know, uh, to, to the entire HBCU landscape, and it basically became, it went from a hobby to a, to a full-time business, <laughs> and, um, you know, it, it's, been, uh, it's been a pretty, pretty long ride, but uh, it's been rewarding at the same time, so that's kind of where we are. That's, that's the skinny of it, but, uh, you know, it, it's, it's uh, I, I think we've done quite well since that time. Good deal, good deal. And, you know, I became familiar with HBCU Sports being a longtime follower, getting into the journalism game and uh, getting into radio and television, following HBCU Sports and being able to get a lot of information and then getting to know you. And we have seen uh, HBCU Sports come such a long way from where it started out. We literally saw HBCU Sports come from a, a point where there was no coverage on the web to you starting your spot and a few other other websites coming up to what it's become now to we have now we have the national podcast locked on HBCU sports so it, it's been a evolution of the coverage of HBCU sports but talk about you know starting out and what it was like 
uh, starting out, and then we're gonna we'll get into the actual talks, actual sports talk. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, during that time, it, it was more so. You know, no one really had any idea of what the the you know at that time we kind of referred to it as the the World Wide Web, if you will, and no one really knew where it was going, and all pretty much everyone wanted you know felt was that you know we we needed the websites and how it was going to eventually change the way we do business, but I, I think even then no one really knew. So as apps became available, as you well know, we kind of started off before social media, we had, you know, the forums, which is still active, which I believe was the original form of social media. And, um, you know, with technology came new opportunities. And we've kind of evolved to the point to where once people kind of figured out what this internet thing was about, how it worked, the business of the internet, and how it could be beneficial to anyone and everyone who got involved, what eventually happened is that people began to find niches and they began to find uh, new opportunities. And you know, quite frankly, Reggie, this is where we are, and yes. it, it, it's gotten to the point to where um, whether you are deep into coding or if it's just simply a matter of uh, having a particular unique skill set. I, I tell people all the time, no matter what your profession is right now, there there is something for you to do on the Internet. There are opportunities there. And it just so happens that in the field of journalism, it's worked out quite well to the extent that it's kind of evolved to where, uh, you know, social media and digital uh, publishing being what it is right now it's kind of almost become the preferred method of individuals getting their news information as opposed to the traditional means that we uh, were, were at, once, at one time relying upon, such as you know, uh, newspaper stands and, and, and terrestrial television and even radio. Exactly. Now let's get into the sport of it, Ken. We talk about all the teams in the SWAC, and we started out covering the SWAC and then the MEAC and the SIACCIAA. What's been the biggest change that you've noticed from the universities and colleges that that have been that are covered under HBCUs? Well, I, I think uh, it, it's been slow, but when you look at kind of the, the HBCUs from from sports, from reporting and so forth, um, I, I think it, it's been late. But when you when you compare HBCU, uh, you know, athletic departments compared to say the more mainstream operations. I think I've gotten to the point to where they too are kind of figuring this all out and that they are now beginning to leverage the internet a little bit more than they used to say, I don't know, maybe three, four, even five years ago. And so, uh, but, but, but with that said, I think companies who offer, you know, a, a plethora of services are now uh, reaching out to APC uh, and, and making these opportunities available. So that now we have, where, whereas information used to maybe come, say, you know, once every day or two, now we get information that comes several times throughout the day, and it's just breaking news that's just constantly happening. And a lot of that plays on the on on the responsibilities and and, and is attributed to, you know, sports information directors at many of the the institutions. Uh, and like I said, leveraging the power of the internet to kind of make this all happen. Now, you know, there there's still some quirks, there's still some issues that need to be figured out. But you know, I, I think a lot of it is based upon 
the, the, the athletic administrators and them being able to have the, the necessary elements in place to make it all happen. Definitely. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet all your sports action. Baseball season is in full swing. You can track all the action at Bet Online. Get all the latest news, odds, and info for all your sporting needs, including MLB, NBA, NHL, and all of your UFC MMA action. Before the next pitch, head over to Bet Online on your laptop or mobile device. Check it out all the great sporting news, sign up bonuses, and contest information. Don't sit on the sideline anymore, as this is your chance to get in the game as teams prep for the run to the playoffs. Head to the website and use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Ken, you know we have to get have to get them in, baby. But uh, bet online, they uh. Hopefully they're going to be carrying some HBCU games this year, so you can go to Bet Online and, and get it done if you want if you want to get into some gaming. But Ken, you know you talk about the change in in the use of the internet, but let's talk about the the, the change in the sport. We see that the the SWAC has added two new teams. The MEAC has has lost four teams. It's a it's been a sea change over the last few years in the conferences. The SWAC has turned into a, a mega conference. The the MEAC has been condensed. Talk about that a little bit and, and the effect that it's had on HBCU sports. Yeah, uh, what, what, what we're currently witnessing right now with HBCU football or in, in particular at the Division One level with the SWAC and the MEAC is kind of akin to what we're kind of witnessing right now even with the SEC. Um, when you look at just, you know, what, what, what Texas and Oklahoma making the announcement that they're going to become members of the, uh, of the, the SEC, well, now we see the Big 12 is in flux right now, and its future is in peril. The same thing applies right now with the, the, the SWAC and the MEAC. The SWAC has become more of a so-called super conference, if you will, whereas now the MEAC is in a, is in a, uh, a situation to where people are beginning to wonder, will the MEAC be able to... Uh, to, to continue and obviously in order for them to do that they're going to have to bring some more teams in and in order to do that um, it, depending on who the teams are some of those schools may have to come from the division two level so and, and that's not as easy as some may think because there are additional resources that the schools are going to have to come up with and so forth and um, you know it, it, it's it, it's exciting but it's kind of one of those bittersweet uh, moments, if you will, you know the MEAC has a proud tradition, and when you look at the, you know, Fam, you Amphitheater, you know, two of the probably, you know, maybe with the exception of A and T, and of course they left, are probably the two biggest, most recognized brands within that conference before they left. And so when you put the put in consideration that now they've become a member of the SWAC, you know, it, it just kind of remains to be seen how this is all gonna gonna unfold, and and it. We probably will get some sign of that uh, within the next year or two. Definitely. And you, you mentioned North Carolina A&T and you mentioned Hampton, two schools that are HBCUs, have been traditional powers in the MEAC. They leave and go join a non-HBCU conference. They go join the Big South. Talk about that. Talk about is that something that is been, going to be beneficial to them? Is the jury still out on that? And why did they make those moves? Well, I, I think the jury is still out on it. And keep in mind, I think those you know those moves were made uh, 
before FAMU and Bethune-Cookman left to go to, to the SWAC. But, and, and make no mistake about it, FAMU, Bethune-Cookman left. Those schools leaving had a lot to do with FAMU and Bethune-Cookman leaving. Um, if you leave with A&T and Hampton, obviously on the surface they'll tell you that uh, first and foremost it's all for the, the welfare and, and, and the, uh, for the student athletes and so forth, and they'll even akin and, and, and make the, uh, the, the, you know, make the, I, I don't want to call it an excuse, but they'll say that this is all about the geographic footprint. But when you look at the Big South and when you look at where they left, you know, there, there isn't really a, a huge difference. I mean, there, there may be some, some, some advantages to that, but when you put in consi- consideration the other teams that are going to be at Kennesaw State and so forth, the, you, you find that that footprint extends a lot further south than, once, uh, than people uh, initially thought. But when you put in consideration um, how this is going to impact them in – you know, non-conference play. Um, you know, A and T has taken the steps to maybe you know they they've secured a long-term agreement with North Carolina Central, which is a rival. Hampton and Howard have, uh, from what I understand, are in the process of trying to come up with a long-term commitment. But it, it remains to be seen at this point. Um, but uh, you know, who who knows how this is going to eventually turn out with A and T and and Hampton being in the Big South. Yeah, you know, and you look at that, that's a definitive move in terms of HBCU starting to venture out outside of the traditional conferences. But then you see the SWAC, you know, everybody thought the MEAC was in such a strong position, but their schools leave. And then you see the SWAC take on Bethune and FAMU. And now all of a sudden the SWAC has become uh, the brand and power, one of the powerhouses of FCS football. Talk about that a little bit, the growth of the SWAC and how it's the rebranding and of the SWAC. Well, it, 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 there were, you know, Craig Haley, I think, and uh, someone uh, uh, on the Internet on social media actually brought up an article uh, who uh, Craig Haley covers FCS football. And uh, maybe, I don't know, maybe a month or two ago, he made the comment or he wrote an article indicating that the SWAC is the FCS conference to pretty much uh, follow throughout the rest of this year. And I think there's a lot to that. Um, when you put in consideration the brands now that you've got FAMU and you've got Bethune Cookman along with all of the other teams that were already in the SWAC conference, when you put in consideration the history and obviously the attendance numbers, the pageantry that comes with it, um, the SWAC is going to be the conference that those who, uh, to be honest with you, if, if, if you are a follower of Division One, you know, at the, at the FBS level, the SWAC and the games that are going to be played on Saturdays when you put in consideration Bam Hube, Bill Cookman, and even, you know, the news with Deion Sanders even being at Jackson State, it's going to get the attention of individuals who may not otherwise have followed the SWAC conference. So, you know, it's an exciting opportunity. Uh, It is going to uh, get additional exposure when you put in consideration what Commissioner Charles McClellan has done with the TV package that he's uh, he's, uh, brokered with uh, ESPN. You're going to see the SWAC frequently, you're going to see it weekly, and you're going to see it often. So, uh, yeah, I think these are exciting times for the conference. Yes. You know what else is exciting? 
that this episode is brought to you by Rock Auto. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it's now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts you need. Why endure going through the pointless and seemingly intimidating questioning? Is that a LX? Is that a MX? Which model is it? And you're like, I don't know. While you wait at the counter and the person behind the counter goes and taps on the computer and then comes back, well, we don't have that part in, in, in stock right now. We don't have that brand. It's in the warehouse. Well, you know what? You can go to rockauto.com and you can save time and money. Why choose to spend 30, 50, even 100% more for the same part from a chain store or car dealership? Rock Auto is a family business and is serving the do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years. Make sure you go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Write in Locked On and tell them how you heard about us. Amazing selection, reliable low prices, and all the parts your car will ever need. We remind everybody we're joined by Ken Richard from HBCU Sports, and we're talking about the sea change and not just the coverage of HBCU Sports, but what's going on at the universities and on the field. Ken is a longtime journalist and the longtime manager and CEO of HBCUsports.com. Ken, you mentioned Coach Deion Sanders coming to the SWAC and coming to Jackson State, and there's been a lot of focus on that. But there's been a lot of change in the SWAC in terms of coaches and and players, period. Talk about that a little bit. Well, yeah, uh, you know, Deion Sanders has obviously been the focal point of uh, the conversation with respect to you know coaching hires and so forth. Uh, and, and we got a kind of we kind of got a sample of what we could possibly expect with the spring season. <clears throat> but now, as we approach the fall, I, I think I think it's safe to say that now it's time for the rubber to meet the road for Deion Sanders and his coaching staff. Um, the honeymoon period, I think, is I, I think it's safe to say is over, and now it, it's you know people are going to really see okay now we 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 witnessed the hype. And now it's time to see what exactly uh, can he do as a head coach and as a recruiter. With respect to uh, some of the other coaching changes throughout, um, another interesting element is, is, is what type of team will we see in Alcorn State since they didn't play during the spring season? And will that be advantageous for Alcorn, uh, given that they didn't have to play a spring season, had, had the ability to actually have spring, work, spring conditionings um, even though they said they couldn't play for COVID reasons, and that was a case of controversy at one point. And then, of course, you've got Grambling and Coach Fobbs, uh, Broderick Fobbs, who was forced to uh, pretty much uh, fire a number of coaches on the staff and, and make some, uh, some hires at the offensive coordinator and at the offensive line position and along with other pos uh, position coaches. And, and that's going to be a, a huge question as to what can we expect from a Broderick Fobbs uh, Grambling team this fall, considering what we witnessed during this past spring. So uh, there, there, there are a lot of uh, interesting uh, dynamics with respect to coaching. Uh, Willie Simmons announced some coaching uh, hires on his staff. So, you know, there, there are a number of coaches that are making tweaks in, in various positions, and uh, now it's just simply a matter of what, what will the result of those changes be uh, once the season starts at the end of uh, August, early September. Yeah, and you saw Coach Dawson Odoms completely switch con switch schools, switch conferences, and leave Southern and go to Norfolk State. Southern has interim coach Jason Rollins 
uh, in now. So you know you have, that's another one you're going to have to watch. Let me ask you, what's your what's your big matchups coming up this fall? What are the games that you're going to have your eyes on? Oh, wait, man. Um, hmm. Well, I'll, you know, we, well, are we just talking about overall or are we talking about conference-wide? Overall, overall, who, what are the big matchups across HBCU football? I'll be honest with you. The, 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 the NFL Hall of Fame Classic between Grambling and Tennessee State, I think, is one that everyone is going to be uh, – is going to get a lot of attention for the simple fact that uh, Tennessee State has got a, uh, a new head coach – uh, and uh, name escapes me, save me. Uh, Eddie George. Eddie George. There you go. Yes. Uh, Eddie George is is is, is the new head coach, and, and and considering his position, in which uh, prior to the season he never even thought about becoming a head coach, and yet you know he was talked into the position. Uh, he's going to be coaching his first game as a head coach. Obviously, people are going to want to see. If the changes that Broderick Bob's made during the offseason are going to pay off, that's one uh, that, that that's going to be a, an interesting matchup. I think uh, FAMU, and pre- to be quite honest with you, it, and I told people this, any contest that FAMU and Bethune Cookman plays this year will be of interest. Uh, I, I think for the simple fact that people are going to want to see. Okay, we knew about FAMU and Bethune Cookman and how they were in the MEAC. Will those teams be to the swag what they were when they played in the MEAC? And I think that's, to me, I think that's probably the, the, the two most interesting uh, parallels with respect to FAMU uh, and Bethune-Cookman because, you know, um, are the teams, or in the case of FAMU, are they as good, are they as, good as advertised? Was it because of uh, the, the conference that they played in that they were able to do what they did? And will they be able to do that in the conference now? Um, with, with, with where you know you got teams like you know obviously there in the East with Alcorn, Alabama, A and M, and even Jackson State, will they be able to produce like they did when they were in the MEAC? Yeah, they're and they're, we'll see them off on zero week. Alcorn takes on North Carolina Central from the MEAC, so we'll get a chance to see what Alcorn is capable of and see what kind of team they have after being out, not playing football for almost two years. So that, that's going to be an interesting matchup. There are a lot of interesting matchups. That's just a couple of them, but that Jackson State. Jackson State and FAMU, right? FAMU yeah. game. Classic. Yeah, that first, the Orange Blossom Classic. I'm going to have my eye on that one. I think that's going to be one of our better games. And it's going to be, of course, all the hoopla and excitement that, that comes with, uh, you know, Jackson State and FAMU playing football. And uh, you add Deion Sanders into the mix. and Co- Should I say Coach Sanders into the mix? And, uh, you know, it, it, it's going to be a fun time and it's going to be great to watch. So I'll definitely keep my eye on that one. Ken, I want to thank you for joining us, my friend. It's been wonderful. We're going to have to do this again. We're gonna, at, Later in the season, we'll come back and revisit and see how those games turned out. Consider it done. All right. Don't forget, we're here every day talking HBCU sports, culture, and more. Subscribe wherever you get your podcast and tune in for the best exclusive and real coverage of HBCU sports here on Locked On HBCU.